0: We have two readings today. The first is from Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the second reading is from Philippians 1, verse 27 to 30. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, and that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen.
1: Uh, Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be able to uh, share with you this morning and uh, continue our study on the letter to the Philippians. Uh, And I've called this talk, One Faith, One Church, and one God. And before we start, I'd just like to pray. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come and share your word. I pray, Lord, that you would use me this morning to speak words of truth and wisdom for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So today we rejoin Paul, who uh, at this point is still under Roman guard, and he's writing to the church in Philippi, which he founded uh, a few years before. Now before we get to the text itself, I'd just like to start by asking a question, and that question is, has anyone here ever achieved anything that they are genuinely proud of, no matter how long it took? Just pop your hand up if that's you. So nobody here has ever achieved anything they're proud of. Of course. (laughs) Well done, okay. Okay, now keep your hand up if that (laughs) on your way to achieving this, you found uh, a difficulty of some kind. Yeah, good, good, fantastic. Okay, so put your hand up again if as well as this difficulty, you faced some kind of opposition or resistance from something or someone on the way to achieving this thing that you are proud of? Yeah, pretty much all of you put your hand up in the first place. Last question. Put your hand up one more time if you found it much easier when you found the right people came alongside you and aided you to help you with this thing that you found so difficult to achieve? Yeah, of course. Brilliant. The reason I ask is because a lot of things in life that we set out for and that we strive for, and the things that we're passionate about and that are important to us and that are close to our hearts, they're not always easy to get resistance and opposition is almost a guarantee along with sacrifice and cost. Whether it's a business venture, whether it's starting a degree, or whether it's having a difficult conversation with a family member or a friend, uh, or maybe it's moving away to start a new chapter in your life, whatever it is that you are wanting to achieve, there will be sacrifice and cost at some point along the way. And here... Paul has been speaking of the living cost of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus and actually that we are likely to be opposed and especially in these days for the early church even suffer for him. Paul himself, as we heard last week, is already in chains for his faith and now he's actually physically tied to a Roman guard under house arrest with no idea if he'll ever be freed from prison or not. And yet he knows that his suffering is worth the cost of the gospel. And he is content with what it takes to spread the news of Jesus and to build the church. Now, just imagine for a second, if you will, if Paul had decided that early on in his uh, Christian journey, that actually it was too hard and that it wasn't worth the cost. And that he threw the towel in early doors how different history would have panned out. And to quote him in last week's passage, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, as Christians, we can face all sorts of opposition, even from people closest to us. To give you an example, uh, myself and uh, an old friend of mine from Church of Baptist Church we're, were talking with a guy just the other day uh, about the Christian faith. And he more or less told us that we were both brainwashed and that all churches are corrupt. Now, of course, this experience in itself is nothing compared to uh, being put in prison or, or being beaten publicly. But on a very small scale, there was some considerable resistance as to what we were saying to him. And it would have been easy to get upset and offended at his words and his attitude towards our beliefs. Uh, And we could have even pretended to agree with him on some points, just to make the conversation a little less prickly. But Paul instructs us to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And sometimes that can mean not giving in to peer pressure and and to conform, just because people aren't taking a liking to what we are saying, And our belief and our faith. And I must admit, the fact that I had a a fellow believer uh, with me helped me greatly as I knew that both our hearts were in the same place and that we both shared the same truth. And this brings me on to my, my next point, which is standing firm in one spirit. So, what does it mean to stand in one spirit? And why is Paul so adamant that this is key to the success of the church? And what are the conditions that we need as a church to reach our full potential? Well, in all these areas, I think it's fair to say that one of the most important conditions, if not the most important condition for the growth and success of any unit, whether it's individually or collectively, is to have unity amongst people. Each other. Now, unity does not mean that we are all the same and that we all do the same thing. No. Being united means that despite our differences, we are all able to work as one. You think of a car with all the different moving parts and all the different mechanisms that uh, make it up all the different shapes and sizes that these mechanisms come in, and yet they all have different roles and they all have different qualities, and yet most, if not all, are essential in making sure that that car gets you from A to B as comfortably and as efficiently as possible. And yet all the different parts are designed to work in unity with each other to make that vehicle function for its primary purpose. And yet if any one of these parts is on its own outside or disconnected from the car or if that particular part is not acting or serving in the way that it should it has little to no use at all and also as a result the rest of the car suffers as well. The car completely relies on its functionality of all the different parts being connected together and all doing their bit so the car can do its job sufficiently and yet it's all one car with one purpose. And this is how Paul says we are to be as the church. And he states that also it's not just for our own benefit that we serve each other and that we work together, but also it's good to be together so that we can stand strong in the face of opposition if and when it comes along. And if we are all standing for the same purpose, working together with the same heart and the same mind, we become strong and even influential to others When they see such unity, you only have to read about the early church in Acts to see how the the unity of the early believers brought about the rapid growth of the church. And I just want to read that passage uh, again uh, from verse 44. And it's actually up on the wall over there. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a fantastic picture of the church, all working in unity, all with different gifts, all with different talents, all with different abilities. And I'm sure all with different personalities as well. But all one body working successfully together to advance the gospel. You know, sometimes we have to put aside our personal differences if we are to advance the kingdom of God. Because we can bring opposition among ourselves if we don't. I know it's quite hard to admit, but it's not always about us. And just because we don't like the way something is run in church or the way someone may preach, you may be thinking that right now, or if the music's too loud or if it's not loud enough, with all due respect, that is not a good enough reason for us not to work in unity together. You know, I've been coming to church now for about 17 years. And in that time, I've seen people fall out over the smallest of things. And as a result, the church has suffered Not just this church, I've been to a a few churches in my time, but it's really sad to see. And not just from an internal perspective either, but if and when people from outside the church see any dysfunction happening on the inside, it knocks any confidence that they may have had in the church and it pushes them further away. Now, of course, just to be clear, there are times when bigger issues amongst people need to be dealt with properly and professionally and in the right way. That's not what I'm referring to here. But petty squabbling over minor differences or anything that comes up from pride or ego will never help build the church and keep it strong. You know, recently I've started seeing a, a spate of online um, uh, posts of, uh, from some very well-known church leaders slandering other church leaders because of their denominational differences and their different styles of preaching or because of the different styles of uh, worship music that they use. And it's really upsetting to see that this is what they're choosing to spend their time doing tearing holes in each other's churches just because they are not doing it the exact same way as them now what does that look like to anyone thinking of becoming a christian or who's on the fringes of coming to church doesn't bear a great witness does it But then flip that on its head. When a church is seen to be working together, united in all ways, and serving each other and the community outside the church, striving together as one team, that bears a great witness, and it's powerful to see, even on the smallest of scales. Okay, so it's hands-up time again. Just put your hand up here. If anybody in this room has ever helped out with the fleet angels on a Friday or Saturday night, or someone or has known somebody to have been part of the Fleet Angels team. Anybody at all? Yeah, a few? Yeah, guys. Oh, okay, you can put your hands up. It's all right. Don't be shy. Yeah, that's yeah, so quite a few people. So for those of you who don't know the Fleet Angels are a team of people who are made up of church folk from various congregations around Fleet and Church Crookham. And they uh, set up a marquee on Fleet High Street, um, normally on Friday and Saturday evenings. And they look after and keep an eye out for vulnerable uh, drunk people who, uh, just to make sure that they are okay. And they offer like cups of tea, like, hot chocolate, coffee, coffee. Uh, biscuits, flip-flops if, uh, if their feet are, are hurting them, to walk home in. And this is all um, completely free to the public. Just a friendly presence and a safe space for people to go to on a night out. I'm not actually sure if they're still running, but it's um, <laughs> not... My... Janet is um, heading up for you Oh, are you? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, fantastic. Go you. Go... <laughs> I hope it all goes well. <laughs> um, so a few, a few years ago, um, I volunteered with them on a Saturday night. And at first, I wasn't sure uh, what to expect. And I, w- I was a little hesitant. And if I'm honest, I was a little scared uh, because I didn't quite know uh, what we'd run into. But when I arrived, I was actually quite taken aback by how organised the team were And how everyone worked together and how watertight their system was from setting up the marquee to turning on the urns to setting out all the snacks and biscuits were organized in all the different sizes of uh, flip-flops it was great everybody knew what they were doing and everybody had their job but what got me the most was the sheer respect and appreciation from the hordes of young people that came pouring out of the pubs and nightclub, most of them half-cut. But despite that, I could tell that they really enjoyed spending time with the team of volunteers from Fleet Angels, and, uh, who were looking after them at the time. And as a result, many conversations about faith would come up, brought on by the young people themselves. And I remember thinking at the time, what a fantastic way to witness to these people about Jesus. You know, when unity among a team of people is seen to be effective and beneficial to the community, you'll always win people over, always. Even more so if it's sacrificial, you know, none of these people are getting paid. And of course, like I said before, everything that was given out was completely free. There was no benefit themselves uh, to the people who were working um, on the, uh, the fleet angels, apart from the fact that they were serving Jesus. That makes for a fantastic witness. And it puts the church in good light. You know, another good verse to paraphrase our passage in Philippians today, and I'm sorry I don't, I don't have a slide for this. And I know it's naughty to have three readings, so we didn't, but I'm going to say it anyway. So this is from Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, and it just backs up what Paul's saying in Philippians. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy um, of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Remember, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all, is in all, and is through all. What a powerful verse. And if we exercise and put into practice these traits on a consistent basis, we keep the church strong. This is why Paul was so pleased with the church in Philippi at the time, because they were living this out. This was their reality. They were united. They were strong, and they were bonded together in this this faith, no matter what resistance came their way. And it's also why Paul encourages them not to be afraid when opposition comes along, because not only are we strong when we are united as uh, one church, But God goes with us in our battles. Now, of course, that's not to say that opposition and suffering for Christ is pleasant or easy. In fact, sometimes it can be unnerving and even on some occasions frightening, depending on who's opposing us and resisting us. But we are told that like faith itself, suffering for Christ, whatever form that may come in is actually a gift from God. As it makes us more like Jesus and it proves that we are co-heirs with him. So Paul says, You know, it's great this morning that we're welcoming into membership Axel, Caroline, Richard, Jocelyn. And it's wonderful to see our congregation grow with you guys. And my prayer for you is that we can get alongside you as a church and support you and bring out the best in you for your own service to God in this church. It's really great to have you on board and to welcome you this morning. So to conclude then, I'll leave you all with this charge. At coffee this morning, I'd like each of you to look around at your fellow church folk and bring to mind all the gifts, and all the talents, and all the uniqueness that that person brings or is able to bring in this church. You know, everyone here has something to bring to the table, no matter how small that may be. And it will be something completely different for each person. So, whatever it is, Let's be thankful for what that person has to offer and encourage them in their gift and in their service. So to end, uh, I'd like to paraphrase the uh, Discipleship Explored handbook, which we're currently going through in our home groups at the moment. The writer says this, Our witness to a watching world is even more powerful when we love each other. Our witness to a watching world is even more powerful when we love each other. Let's pray then that God will give us all a deep love for all uh, the people that make up the church on the heath and that we can keep moving forward in one faith and in one spirit. Amen? Amen.